Brenda, you're going to really have a good time tonight. You're going to be very blessed tonight. You know, Brenda, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She's one of the few people that I know that grew up in Alaska. I don't know anybody that grew up in Alaska, you know. But she and her husband pastor the Duluth, Minnesota, I got the state right this time, Minnesota Vineyard. And, you know, we just hear all kinds of good things about that church. I got to go out there two or three years ago, and I was so impressed with what God is doing there. It's pretty amazing. But Brenda is also a regional leader. You know, people just saw her gifting and recognized that, and so she's leading all these pastors now. It's really cool to watch how God is using her. But you're going to be very blessed tonight, and I'll just turn it over to you tonight, Thank Brenda. Thank you. Remember, they didn't come here to see you. They came to see Jesus. It says right here on the podium. Well, how about you take my name off the front of the booklet or that picture that you have on there then? I saw, I picked that, I'm like, oh, good grief. Get rid of the picture of the speaker on the front. They're just going to draw, like, mustaches on me and stuff. <laughs> Start drawing a big red circle with a line through it. I don't like what she's saying. Well, this really is a treat. It's a treat um, for a lot of different reasons, but um, the Myers have imparted so much to me and my, my family and uh, my husband, my marriage, and uh, our church in a really, uh, some very specific ways. I came out here years and years ago, about a dozen years ago, when uh, they were still at the Columbus Vineyard on staff there, and I went to my first Gospel of Wholeness conference, and I remember going up during ministry time and just had this really, really powerful experience of, uh, you know, just God rearranging things, restoring parts of my heart to himself that I'd given to, uh, you know, not necessarily bad things, but other things besides Jesus. And uh, it's, it's changed me forever to have the gift of the gospel of wholeness. And our church is a little G-O-W crazed. And, you know, you can't look at a ministry without finding it woven into the foundation of it. And, uh, you know, just many, many other ways that over the years as we've crossed our paths have crossed at different leadership circles. Um, and we've just had relationship and found out that we have a lot of similarities, like just to our culture and, you know, our, our hearts for healing and wholeness and, uh, you know, kind of casual, like Penny said, I'm from, I'm from Alaska. I grew up 200 miles inland from uh, Anchorage in the Copper River Basin. It's, it's really in the woods. Uh, and, you know, I had like 120 kids in my uh, school that was kindergarten through high school. Uh, my best friend lived 100 miles away. I had to talk to people on CBs. I had no TV, no phone. Uh, you know, if you wanted to talk to your friend, you had to use your call letters and say, this is KQH 665, the spinning spokes, and she's looking for, you know, so-and-so. And um, I, can still, I can still remember that license number that we had to use to use the, the CB. And so I'm a little bit like a, from the Hicks, you know. I'm just kind of what you see is what you get. I'm not very politically correct. Um, but I love, I love people, and I love just being, um, you know, just saying, okay, God, here I am, spend me however you want. So I'm not really sure what we're, what we're getting, <laughs> what we're in for, but I know I'm really excited about being here. I'm really excited, too, because I think it's important for women to press through all the things that women have to press through uh, 
uh, just to come together and be together. And I know it's a lot. I know that um, there's a billion reasons why we could have done a lot of other things besides be here. But I really feel God's smile on it when we gather as women. And I think he appreciates all the stuff that we press through to come and be together. And I'll just tell you, there's some things that God does in a room full of women, you, you know, uh, that don't happen when you have men in here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand exactly why, but I like it. And so I have to, sometimes I have to apologize to the men in the sound booth after I'm done here because I can offend them but, um, or talk about something inappropriate. Because, you know, it's ladies and I don't I, I'm not trying to edit it for them, so I'll was, I was just apologize later, but um, I'm really, really excited to be with you, really excited, and I anticipate that God is, is just as we've heard already through the worship and through the words given, that God's going to do some really fun things. Um, my husband and I have been doing ministry together for about 30 years or so. We've been married 30 years this September. And we came into the vineyard about 27 years ago, and it has been a really fun journey. I felt like God captured my heart for ministry when I was in a really great youth ministry um, when I was in high school. And I just kind of knew, I just had this assurance that this is what I'm going to do with my whole life. And uh, so when we, I didn't, I, that was sort of in a Baptist church setting, and so I didn't really um, see women doing a lot of pastoral care or preaching or teaching or those kinds of roles. Um, but when, I, when we came into the vineyard and I saw that, I'm like, wow. You know, I thought I was going to have to just marry some guy and ride his coattails, right, to get in and, and do what I'm for. And I was, I was okay with that at the time, but this is so much better. And my husband just gives me so much freedom to just be who God created me to be, and I have more freedom than I know what to do with, and uh, I'm really enjoying myself. In fact, some of the stuff that I'm getting to do now uh, as a regional leader has become a real sweet spot. And I'm very aware that I'm 54 years old, and you know I'm in a movement that blesses women in all levels of ministry, and I've been given leadership, and uh, that that is, it's an honor, and it's very humbling because uh, I really am getting to do what God made me to do, and I know that's not everybody's story. So I hold that really um, with an open hand and very humbly. Um, so I think that um, one of the things that I think will maybe make you feel a little bit better is taking a look at this woman. It's going to make you feel about 10 years younger uh, to take a look at this gal. Oh, she... Her lips move usually on my computer. Something in translation was lost. But anyway, I hope that makes you feel about 10 years long, younger. You know, we all kind of, a lot of times as women, we, we have a, a little bit of trouble just not comparing ourselves to each other. And um, those are some of the things that the enemy does to try to be divisive in our relationships. Um, but I really feel like the Lord is going to bring just a, a fresh kind of love for women to have really healthy relationships too here, and so I look forward to that. Um, I want to talk about just a few things that I have seen over the years, a pattern that the enemy uses, kind of, it's, it's sort of like for some reason the way we're wired and the way that we're designed as women, uh, these things kind of trip us up specifically as women, and they're just more common. They come up over and over and over again in our lives, and because I kind of see these things so much and so often in women's lives, 
Um, it, it points to the fact that, you know, the enemy really does want to try to um, just keep us from becoming who God really, really has always had a mind for us to be. And so I just am hoping that you'll be able to kind of take a little bit of a barometer check to see how, you know, and where you're doing. And to be honest, it's, it'll be hard because uh, even in my own life, I know that just, just being honest about these things has been challenging. Um, you know, I can walk through life pretty casually thinking, oh, yeah, I don't do that, I don't do that, I don't do that. Uh, and so part of the challenge is just kind of letting the Holy Spirit put his finger on, you know, how we can grow in these things or where the enemy might use them against us. And I think any of these things can kind of paralyze us or, you know, just become a real, a real handicap to keeping us from being free. And, and the, it causes us to hold back from the things that God really, really wants for us. And that, you know, the, the more true we are to being who he made us to be, the more fun it is, right? The more, you know, I find that um, being who God made you to be is fun and it's more fruitful and it's not as tiring. And, uh, you know, it's just, that's where fulfillment is. And so it's important for us because otherwise we end up being pretty discontent. And we'll talk about that a little bit too. But I think these are just things that the enemy uses and um, in our lives. And it sort of causes like a, a spiritual abortion, if you will. It sabotages the things that God really, really wants for us to be fully engaged as women in his kingdom. And so I'm always wanting to fight for that for women, and I'm excited to be here and, and do that as well. So one of the first things, the weapon that we see that Satan uses against us is uh, insecurity and low self-esteem. I know this says low self-esteem, but I would add to that insecurity. And our, our you know, I, I, let, uh, let's just, if we can, might as well start out by saying if you're a woman and if you're breathing, then, you know, you're going to, I think we all struggle with this to some degree at different times in our life. But, you know, our, the way we view ourselves is based on this whole system of pictures, this whole system of feelings that you have kind of put together about yourself. And it includes mental pictures or uh, emotional feelings. And we have this whole system. It's like a collage of uh, feelings and concepts about ourselves, And they're sort of like the stories that, that we tell in our mind or the narratives that you hear and that you sort of believe and then you kind of give your heart over to it. And they really do become kind of a, a part of our core or personality. And it's, you know, the way that you feel about yourself, the way that you, um, you look at yourself, it, it really, way down deep in our heart, uh, it, it's kind of who we become. You know, um, there's lots of different kinds of things that if you look at it, you, like when you're riding a motorcycle, they teach you to look the direction you want to go and you're just going to go there. You know, your body and your, your, you, your, everything follows what you're looking at. And it's similar to that because um, we kind of become what we look at generally. And so what you see and what you feel starts to determine how you relate to God and how you relate to, to other people. And as a woman, although it's central to having a functioning, functioning and, a, and a healthy relationship with God and everybody around us, we, we really have a hard time developing a really good, healthy, Christ-centered um, self-image. And 
I, honestly, I'm kind of into the, you know, I kind of thought, well, yeah, identity stuff, you got to get that sorted out when you're young, and then you get past that, and then you, you know, you're done sorting it out. And once you get it figured out, then, whew, it's behind you, and you can kind of not. Well, I just had a recent identity crisis, and I'm 54. Hello, you know. So I, I'm honestly starting to think that, you know, there's constantly going to be things that challenge who we are, challenge what we're called to, chip away at what's true and, and what God wants. And the enemy is going to constantly be trying to change our identity and abort what God wants and get us to kind of believe those lies. And we'll talk a little bit more about that because our, our self-image is influenced and it's affected or it's built on by our exterior world, things out here. It's also um, really impacted by our interior world, what's going on inside of our heart. And then, of course, Satan and his lies are just accumulative and, and com compounding. And then we have God's voice and his word. And all of those things affect you know, our identity and who we are and our emotions. And so I want to look at just a few of these kind of emotional needs that I think if we can learn how to get them met from Jesus, it'll help us have a healthier self-image. And that's the reason why it's, it's helpful to identify what these things are, because uh, if we can identify them, then we can learn how to name that and get that need met from Jesus, which is the thing that has really changed my life so much, is learning how to get my needs met from Jesus. You know, one of the things that I'm praying about for us, and that if to me, I always, I always think, you know, what would God consider a win for us to, to experience? Like, what would a win be? And I, and I really feel like one of the things that God really wants, that if we could learn this as women, if we could, like, become experts at this, there would be no, no boundaries to what God would do in our lives and what we would experience and what he wants for us. And it's, it's learning how to receive the Holy Spirit and learning how to get really, really good at receiving. Because I'm pretty much every good thing, every healing, every breakthrough, every, um, you know, every calling, everything that God's nurtured, everything he's broken off has come uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit as I've just learned how to just sit and, you know, I don't think that we're great at it, especially, you know, we're, we're the ones always doing, 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 right? Giving, giving, giving. Uh, you guys, anybody do any work with the Enneagram? You're familiar with the Enneagram at all? A little bit, some of you counselors and spiritual directors. Um, I'm a two, which means you're the giver. You constantly give, 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 give. But the motive behind it isn't quite so spiritual. <laughs> the motive is so that you will like me and approve of me and think of me and have high esteem. And so just learning how to like get that from the Lord and learning how, you know, he, he doesn't want me to use you in our relationship to meet my need for approval. And so it's coming under the power of the Holy Spirit and just receiving that approval, receiving it like a gift and seeing, you know, I, I went through a spiritual exercise with a group of friends recently because I'm in the School of Spiritual Direction. And um, it was a really beautiful, beautiful experience. And they were um, holding me kind of for about an hour and a half in this uh, setting, and I was to just share what God was doing and let God do some digging, and they could mirror, and they could ask questions, but they couldn't advise or fix. 
me. And so as that was happening, um, you know, at the end, our spiritual director said that she wanted us to, uh, and it was really hard and really emotional for me because a lot of the people that were in the room were my staff and, you know, people who, um, you know, I might be, I'm their pastor or I'm their leader uh, or their mentor or something. So it was really humbling and it was a hard thing for me to do and I literally cried the whole time. But after we got done, she said, no, I just want you to picture, you know, walking up to God, what's the one thing he, the gift, you know, that he gave you. And I just thought the, the, the time that you guys spent, just people that I, that I know love me and that trust me, you know, what a beautiful gift for them to hold me in God's presence like that for that much time uh, was the gift. And, you know, she said, now give it to the Lord as I gave it to the Lord. And then she said, how does he respond? And he was exuberant, like jumping up and down and squealing, if the Lord can do that. I pictured it, and he was applauding and clapping, and then she said, now take the gift back and say thank you and walk away. And it was his approval, and he was saying, thank you for doing that. I know it was hard. Thank you. And so now I just, like, even, even tonight, before I, I get up here, I'm like, God, remind me of that gift of your approval again. Help me to receive it. And just learning how to let something spirit, you know, receiving something spiritual, supernatural, that's weird. In your natural body, this is kind of weird. Like, it's not normal to know how to do that. We have to teach, train, submit ourselves to it, speak to our hearts and tell our hearts to receive uh, and get prayer a thousand times. I'm just learning to receive. Pray for me, please. I'm practicing. Uh, and, you know, as we do that over and over again, we kind of learn how to let the Holy Spirit come quickly. So I'm really, really praying that God would give us a desire for that because I know that that is going to stay with us for years and years and years. So let's talk about these emotional needs just a little bit and how they can help us have a more healthier Christ-centered self-image. The first one is just the sense of belonging or of being loved. And really, this is that thing about wanting to be wanted, and wanting to be accepted, wanting to be cared for, wanting to be enjoyed, and wanting to be loved. And it can really, uh, you know, some of us struggle with this kind of spirit of rejection uh, for a lot of our lives, where we, we don't feel like we're, we, we belong. And so a lot of times, even, you know, in the spirit realm, there can be things uh, assigned to us from birth to just kind of hover over us, or if there are people or parents that had attitudes that, you know, of rejection toward us as a child or as a baby, um, sometimes that can cause that spirit of rejection or a child who um, is just constantly experiencing rejection in a setting, in a home, and that lack of belonging can just leave us with this hole, and it's very lost feeling, and even you know, even in a room like this or in a group like this, we just don't feel like we fit. We don't feel like we belong. And we kind of get this sense like, you know, this, this is for everyone else, but it's not really for me. And we don't, we don't boldly come before the throne. We don't boldly come to the table. And, um, and that, I think generally what happens is we get self-condemning and we, we even can get dis depressed and, and just despairing um, over that, and those feelings get prominent in our life. And belonging is just one of those really important needs that potentially can leave us disappointed. And I want to say something about this because 
Um, I think it's really uh, tangible for us as women. And that's that I think that there are things that happen, you know, some of the things I've gone through that were the hardest in my life happened at the hands of people that I loved and trusted in the church. Um, years and years ago, one of my best friends, you know, betrayed me and invited my husband into a relationship. Um, he didn't respond, but it wrecked me. It just wrecked me. Um, and I, I felt pain like I hadn't felt in, you know, 10 or 15 years. And, um, it was a very trusted, close friend, and, you know, I just couldn't believe that friends do that, you know. And the good news is that after a year of um, a lot of hard work and, um, you know, some counseling and restoration of their marriage and repentance and, um, you know, forgiveness on my part, our relationship was restored, and those people are still in our lives years later. So, you know, God does that because <laughs> he's Jesus. And um, so I'm telling you that because I'm trying to remind myself why I'm telling you that. Um, oh, just because some of the <laughs> disappointment, my, my, my train gets off the track sometimes. That's why I have notes. Um, there, there is something in our lives as women that happens when stuff like that happens where we trusted and, and we were betrayed or a, a friend lets us down or you know, a spouse leaves or a, a loss, sometimes just the loss of a child or a job or a dream. Um, I believe that there are spirits of disappointment that are assigned to us and that at those places in our life where we're downhearted and we're vulnerable and we feel disappointed, I think the enemy gets on that and I believe that sometimes those spirits stay around our lives for years. And I feel like that's something that God would have us pray about tonight. Um, I just have seen over and over and over again that when a spirit of disappointment is assigned to you because of something like that in your life that you've suffered from, uh, you know, the negative effects of it make it so that it doesn't matter. God could be doing jumping jacks in front of you and you can't see it. Because it's all you can see is the disappointment. And it blinds you, and he's just constantly, it's all you can do is talk about it and live under the negative effects of it, and you can't see what God's doing for anything. And, and I feel like it's just, it's, it's an assignment that we need to, like, break the power of that disappointment off in the name of Jesus and tell that, that demonic disappointment that you don't belong here, that her life is not a playground for you, you have to get off in the name of Jesus. God is here to redeem it all. And, and, you know, just, I think that is a really important thing for us as women because, you know, even the best friends in the world are going to let us down. Eventually, um, you know, we're going to let people down. And that thing of disappointment is going to always be hovering there to um, trip us up. And I know, you know, that God still calls us to trust. He still calls us to love again. He still invites us into this place of following him and trusting and experiencing authentic community um, over and over and over again. And I really have found no other person or place um, where there's a real tangible sense of love and belonging than in God and his people. Even though there's some pain in there sometimes, um, I feel like authentic community is supposed to be the church. And that we, we have what we need to have real relationship. 
if we can learn how to be honest and we can learn how to trust, even if we have to trust over and over, even if we get healed, to trust again and um, to have committed, authentic community. So the second important emotional need that I think, besides this belonging, is a sense of worth and value. And this is kind of the inner belief that, and this feeling that, you know, I count, I'm, I'm of value, and I have something to offer. And the thing that kind of comes in and, and cuts us off at the knees here is just that we will constantly be evaluating everyone else's value and then measuring ourselves up against that. And so we look at other people, we compare how valuable we feel with how valuable we think they are. And, um, you know, she's prettier, she's smarter, she has more discipline, she has, you know, she can exercise. <clears throat> Those women who can exercise. <laughs> you know, look at her body compared to mine. She's got the cutest or the best behaved little kids. Or, you know, she has a hunk of a husband. Look at mine. <laughs> you guys met my husband. Some of you from this church, he was here not too long ago speaking. Um, he's cute. She gets to go to, like, this is something I've heard women say, she gets to go to these wonderful places on vacation. And, you know, like, some, some, some of the time we, we think, you know, look at her and how happy she is. And you know what? If I would have just come back from Florida or Las Vegas to the Bahamas, then I'd be smiling like that too. <laughs> right? Um, you know, or it, 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 you know, she gets to work outside of the home, or I like her minivan, or, you know, she gets to stay home and I have to work, or, um, you know, whatever. It just goes on and on and on. And really, that kind of comparison, it can only lead to disappointment and feelings of low self-worth because you start to think, well, you know, I, I must not be valuable enough to, to deserve those things. And then it leads to discontentment in general, and chronic discontentment is not from God. I would even go as far as to say that, that discontentment is, is sin. When, when we sit there, and the enemy generally lies to us about how we don't measure up in comparison to everybody else. And so then we just sort of give our hearts over to that feeling, and we don't resist the enemy. And he just kind of takes over these, you know, great big areas of our heart. And we find that we're just left with more and more and more discontentment. And, it, and, and you know, we kind of feed it. There's something about discontentment that begs to be fed. It's weird. You know, it's just kind of like uh, you can't even drive down the road without seeing, you know, the, the car that you wish you had or, you know, whatever. It just goes on and on and on. And the problem with trying to find contentment, of course, in those external things is it doesn't, you know, I've seen this, like you could change like a hundred circumstances externally and you still wouldn't be content because that, the problem is it's in here, it's inside of you. And, and it has very little to do with all of these external things. But the enemy has us on this path and it leads to sin. And you know, what I found is like, there's only one thing that actually satisfies discontentment. And you gotta get you gotta get squared up face to face with God. And you gotta repent for wanting all of that stuff that He hasn't put in your life and hearing what He thinks of you. 
You know, what has led to more content in my life probably than anything else is just coming and praying every single day. Who do you say that I am? And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think it does cause, it does, it, it does crack our identity, this discontentment. It, it chips away at who God says we are and what he wants for us as his daughters. And, um, and just listening to the Lord, you know, just tell me who I am every day. So this is one of my prayers that I just started praying years ago. Tell me again, Papa, who do you say that I am? And he just starts giving me the list, you know. Who do you say that I am? And just let him paint this portrait of your life or write this beautiful script across your heart. Let him tell you who you are. Let him define you instead of all of those external things. I want to tell you a, a little story. It, it'll, you'll appreciate it because it's also a time in my life when I was learning how to make supernatural exchanges. And, um, and, and I really felt like the Lord just, it was a, one of those groundbreaking moments where he used this to build a lot on in my life. But I was a mom. I had little kids. It was summer, and I would be home a little bit more in the summer, and they were running in and out of the house. And um, I, we had been talking about fasting at church, and um, I had never been able to fast because I have food addictions and stuff. And so I was like, you know, pretty grumpy about it, but I was going to try to fast. And so I decided, okay, I'll, I'll fast. I'll try one day. And so I was, you know, bored out of my brains because you can't eat. And what are you going to do? What's, what's there to even live for? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I was, I was kind of grumpy and a little, a little upset about the whole thing. Uh, we're not very spiritual. I'm much better at fasting now. But I've practiced for a lot of years. But uh, anyway, uh, this day I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'll clean out the closet. And I had this hall closet. And this closet is ridiculously piled with stuff. I mean, I would wait till it would get like almost up to my waist, the bottom of this entryway closet. And, you know, there was just stuff in there. People would just like drop zone everything in there. I have three little kids at the time. And so uh, I decided to clean out the closet. So I start, you know, and I'm, I'm already grumpy. And, you know, I just start getting madder, you know. And I'm, like, taking stuff to the garage and, you know, up and down the stairs. And I went to Target and got a shoe rack and came back. And I'm just organizing and labeling. And I'm on my knees and my back is hurting. And I'm about three hours in. And I'm, you know, just getting madder and madder at my family. I'm like, these guys are such slobs. They don't even care what I do for them. I could be the best mom in the world, and they would never say thank you. And, you know, I was just like, it, it, was, ew, it was getting really dark in there. And um, so I finally get to the point where I'm, I'm getting close to getting done, and I'm, I'm just feeling just, you know, really upset at my family, really upset at my kids. And I'm thinking, you know what? First kid that walks in the door, and I'm going to tell them, if anybody puts anything on the floor of that closet, it's going right in the garbage. And you know what? You guys don't care about me, and you don't care that I'm a good mom, and I serve you. And I'm like making my speech in my head, and I'm just like, you know, ramping it up, and I'm getting ready. Somebody's going to get it with both barrels. And I'm, I'm feeling really angry at, at everything. And, you know, but the closet is clean, and there was like dirty dishes in the bottom of that closet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm all done and I'm starving, right? And so I'm on my way to the refrigerator and I'm like, 
I'm going to eat, and I deserve to eat, and I'm so hungry. And the Lord's like, but you're fasting. And then I was really upset. <laughs> I'm like, God, my family doesn't. And I start, you know, dump truck loading what I'm feeling. And I, I, nobody, nobody cares what I do around here. And this is a thankless job. And God's like, what was that you said you needed? And I just go off, you know, and I just let all of it come out at him. And, of course, this is the first half of an exchange, right? And, you know, it's you giving your junk to him, you coming and saying, if you don't take this from me, then I'm literally going to, you know, verbally throw up on somebody, and it's going to be, you know, really, I'm going to sin. And so, although, you know, I, I love that you don't have to, like, make it sound good when you're making an exchange with God. You just go there, and you just, like, whatever comes out, comes out. And so it was, it was ugly. And then I hear him start to say, let me tell you who I say you are today. You are a really, really good mom. I love how you serve your family. Thank you for spending all those hours on your hands and knees. Thank you for the way that you loved them enough to do the dirty work. Did I say that you were a really good mom? Can I tell you again? I love the way you serve your family. And, you know, here's my father in heaven, and he's just like, he's going to that place in my spirit, and he's speaking to me about my identity and who he says I am. And it's, it's going to this place in me that only the Holy Spirit can go, and it so meets my need that I was going to try to extract from them. I was going to try to get them to make me feel what only his words could. And it, it so ministered to me. It so healed me of my brokenness and my anger in that moment. And I thought, what the heck was I thinking that I was going to get this from some chips and a Coke? Right? The empty well. Right? I was like, ridiculous. But he's always there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we're cleaning out the closet or, um, you know, it doesn't matter what we're doing. He's always there. Let me tell you who you are in this moment. Let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you who I say you are. And so that's where I come up with this prayer. Who do you say that I am? Tell me again. And, you know, and I've gone through a pretty difficult time the last few months of grieving some losses. And in the middle of that, um, it's been amazing how he'll just, like, minister right to, you know, my place of need on days that feel really dark, really low. And he'll go, you know that place in your heart that loves so deep and loves relationship that it hurts so bad when somebody leaves your church? I love that in you. Don't change that. Don't let that go away. I made you that way. I love that. And so it just gives me courage to keep loving again and hoping again, wanting again for the things that he wants in his kingdom. So who do, who do you say that I am? I would, you know, encourage you to, to pray that prayer and let him paint your identity every day. Some of us just have the insecurity that we have because our eyes are fixed on people. And we're not asking that. We're not, we're not looking at Jesus' face. The third emotional need for us is this sense of 
being competent or adequate. And, you know, basically this kind of is the emotional need. Uh, you know, I can, I can, I can show up, I can, I can contribute, I can do this task, I can cope with this situation. Uh, I'm, I'm able to meet life, uh, walk through life. And when we don't feel like we have the confidence or we don't feel competent, um, then it kind of leads us down this path of really feeling very inadequate and like a failure. And really, um, I, I've just kind of, you know, the enemy's constantly accusing us, right? Telling us all the things, all, you know, he's constantly like hounding us and accusing us of being inadequate anyway. Um, and so really the prayer, apart from you, I can do nothing, kind of is a great one to pray every day too because it's true, you know, all the good in me, all that I have to offer is what he's done and what he's doing and what he puts in us. And so, you know, I pretty much, if, if, it's, if Jesus doesn't show up, it's going to be bad, <laughs> you know, and I feel a, a little bit inadequate without him. And really, there's not that much we can do on our own. So just being able to do life outside of Christ without him putting what he wants to put in us, and that's coming back again to receiving supernatural things. I can remember so many days when I had to like go in my room at 2.30, uh, kids are you know coming home in half an hour, and I don't have what it takes to do homework, make dinner, do PTA, and you know, make lunches. I'm already done, God. It's 2.30 and I'm done. I'm spent. I don't have any grace left. And so just learning how to just stand there empty-handed and say, you know, if you don't put something in me, it's going to be a really bad night, really bad family night. <laughs> you know, and just learning how to receive, in, even in a few minutes, grace, grace for the hour, grace. And, you know, some of my friends, as we've walked through this together and learned, tried to learn how to receive supernatural things, honestly, I, you know, sometimes we're all looking at each other and going, yeah, you're talking like 100 times a day. I'm like, yeah, 200 for me. You know, it's like, it's true. You've got to do it a lot. But what else are you going to do? You're going to eat or shop or drink or, you know, whatever. We're going we're gonna to do something else to meet those needs if, if we don't come and, and receive from the Father in those moments of just inadequacy. And we all face moments of inadequacy. I don't think anybody walks free of that. And so there's just no hope. There's just no hope of being competent or being adequate. And uh, apart from you, I can do nothing. First John 3, 1 and 2 says this, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But there's also, but that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And then I love this, and that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? <laughs> I'll tell you how we'll end up. Shalom. That's where we're going. Total wholeness. Shalom, and then put your name in there. Shalom, Brenda. That's where I'm going. That's what he's doing. That's where he's taking us, all of us, that are in Christ, he's taking us to this, we're on this eternal journey. 
we were talking as leaders today, and I said, you know, one of the most helpful things God did is he, he helped me realize that some of my appointments, my disappointments were tied to all of these finish lines that I had. You know, by the time I'm 50, I should have done this, and, uh, you know, I should really be more spiritually mature by the time I'm 65, because then when you have gray hair, that's mature. You know, but spiritual maturity equals... Right? I mean, like, I just thought... If you get old enough, then you finally get mature. And so, you know, I have all these spirit, I have all these deadlines, these things that I think, you know, should and will happen by a certain time. And the Lord's like, yeah, can you just get rid of all those? Can you just, like, how about we just remove all those? I don't know why you even have them, Brenda. Now, if you're a runner, I don't, I'm sorry, this analogy breaks down because you need a finish line or you can't quit running, right? But I'm talking about a spiritual journey that I'm on. I'm on a spiritual journey, and it's eternity. This is forever. We're going to Shalom. That's where we're going. And so I love that. And that's only the beginning because who knows how we'll end up. What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see him. And in seeing him, do you hear that? Look at his face. And in seeing him, we'll become him. Because remember, we end up becoming what we look like, what we look at. That's what happens. And so all of us who look forward to his coming stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. What marvelous love the Father has extended. You know, the problem with this marvelous love is you have to receive it. And so here we are back at that. You have to receive it. And we're not very good at receiving and so through that receiving, God is shaping. He's shaping and he's putting what he wants in and he's taking what he wants out. And he's breaking what he wants to break off and he's shaping our identity. He's shaping our identity by pouring that love in us. And you know, we're thirsty, but we're not necessarily drinking as living water. Insecurity, low self-esteem. Let's talk about one more thing before we pray and that's the second weapon that the enemy uses against us, particularly as women. I do, you know, tons of deliverance over the years, and the number one thing that we're casting out of women is fear. Fear is one of the biggest weapons that the enemy uses against us, especially as women. And I also think that it can be a really familiar place that we go and uh, an excuse to not take action an excuse to not be fully who God's created us to be, an excuse to shrink back and to, you know, hide and not be responsible in our gifts, not steward our gifts, not be engaged in the kingdom. And, you know, when that happens, we just learn to hide from functioning behind that fear, and it stops us in our tracks. And um, it keeps us from facing problems or situations in our life with any kind of authority authority that's been given to us in Christ. And fear comes to us in all kinds of ways. I mean, we might have fear of failing or fear of taking risks or, you know, we might have fear of others in general or just fear of being alone. Or uh, I went through a thing recently where I'd had two years in a row where uh, I had severe criticism toward, uh, in my life, really a character 
you know, slang thing where I, they said I was spiritually abusive and controlling and manipulative. And these are people who I had invested in and loved and worked with for 10 years. And it was, it was devastating. I just, I mean, it was, I, and I, and so for a couple years, I, that happened like two years in a row on the day before Thanksgiving. And so on the third year, I was freaking out. Because I just felt this cloud coming, and I felt the fear, and I'm like, you know, I felt the enemy say, you know, you can do all this spiritual formation work, and look, I can make people think anything I want about you. It doesn't really matter. And uh, I felt like, you know, three strikes and you're out. And I, I really uh, got gripped by fear of criticism. <laughs> and I'm like at a mission leaders meeting in October, and I'm standing there worshiping, and we're singing, you know, we're no longer slaves to fear, and I'm you know, the Holy Spirit falls on me. I'm like, what's going on? I'm not afraid. And the Lord's like, yeah, you are. You're afraid of criticism. And so one of my friends, uh, who's a great vineyard pastor and leader, came over and she knows a little bit about my story. And she started just walking me through a deliverance and, you know, breaking the power of that fear off in the name of Jesus and, you know, just asking the Lord to redeem what happened. And one of the things that um, happened in that deliverance as I was standing there um she said you know just picture jesus coming in your kitchen there's you there's jesus there's your turkey oh there's my turkey it's beautiful and um oh wait jesus is here (laughs) nice turkey huh jesus and um you know i because i was really on on thanksgiving day i was absolutely a wreck for the last two years and he was you know sabotaging my family time and my my love of that holiday and so she just said, let Jesus come into your kitchen. He's there with you. And I just felt Jesus. He just came like so close to me. And he just like pulled me in. And it was like he was a sponge. And he just started absorbing like all that pain. And I started crying really hard because I felt it. I remembered it. And, and he just said three things to me. And, you know, I just felt like he was just absorbing and sucking the pain out of me and into himself. And he said, I'm here. I'm here with you in your kitchen. He said, you're not alone it's okay, I'm here, you're not alone. He said it over and over, and I was crying, and and then I said, but Jesus, it hurts so bad. And he said, number two, I know, I know this kind of pain. I felt the same thing. And then I said, but I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid of being criticized again. It's gonna take me out. And he said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He said it over and over, very authoritative, like a father to a daughter. And he just held me. I'm with you. You're not alone. I know this pain. Do not be afraid. Do you know how many times? And you know what? He never told me it wasn't going to happen again. He delivered me and healed me. But he never told me that I wasn't going to get criticized again. But he, he assured me that those things would always be true. And that even if it happened, he even said, you know, it could happen a hundred times. I am with you. You're not alone. I know this pain. Do not be afraid. In other words, we're going to do it together every time. Every time. It might happen a hundred times. I can't stop the bad behavior. (laughs) But I'm going to walk through it with you. And you know how many times throughout Scripture, from the beginning to the end, God commands us to not be afraid. And I just encourage you, especially if you struggle with fear, because 
you know, I think there has to be a point in us where we see this as evil and demonic from the enemy and that we have to choose to stare it down. And it's hard, but sometimes I have to, you know, just when I start to feel fear, I have all these red flags that go off, and I'm starting to learn to be honest about it. Used to like, I'm not afraid, whatever. Um, that's not true. I have a lot of fears. And um, I just started to step back and go, okay, what is, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, what's my worst fear? What am I really afraid of in this situation? Like, what's underneath this? What's it, what's, what's it tied to? And, and then I just see the Lord come and start to absorb it and say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I have to let his peace, I have to receive his peace and let him absorb that fear in order to get out from under the negative effects of it. And why, why is fear so effective? Why does the enemy keep doing it? Because it works on women. That's why, and he's going to keep doing it because it's effective. But fear is never from the Father heart of God. It is always straight from the pit of hell. And thinking of it like that kind of sheds some different light on it. And it helps me find my fight. And it helps me trust him and look in his face face and as I do that then the fear kind of fades away and I start to feel his peace and you know really I think for me fear is just the result of not being completely intimate and dependent on Jesus not hearing him tell me who I am you're my daughter I've got this you're my daughter let's let's resist let's push back the enemy let's say no together and, you know, just not trying to depend on being able to control. You know, fear almost always leads to control. And the reason why it does, and when we have to get delivered of spirits of fear, we most often have to get delivered of spirits of control as well. Because the reason why we take control is because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't. And so, you know, we're trying to control, you know, if we struggle with a spirit of rejection, then we kind of try to control, if we have the fear of rejection, I should say, we'll control who gets close to us so that nobody can get close enough to reject us or whatever. It, it always kind of manifests control. And so sometimes when you see really controlling people, really controlling women, women uh, who are really controlling, you know, you know, you, you, got, you got their number, right? You know what I'm talking about? There's fear. There's loads and loads of fear under that. And they're just desperately trying to keep something that they don't want to happen to happen, and they don't know if they can walk through it if it does. So they're controlling relationships and controlling families and controlling everything under the sun because they're afraid. They're afraid to trust, and they're afraid to depend on Jesus. And so you're depending more on your own ability than you know, you are on who Jesus is or who he says you are. You're depending more on approval from people than that gift of approval that he can give you. And, and to me, that's the really bad news about fear is that it always leads to control. And so I think that, it, that makes it even more of a, of a um, costly weapon. So let's talk about a few little, little steps, necessary steps to stand against fear. 
and really to learn how to not give your heart over to it. Because what happens is the fear comes, and then we're sort of standing in this zone of, are we going to give our heart over to it, or are we going to resist it? James 4, 7 says you need two things to get rid of the devil. Submit to God, Holy Spirit, come, resist the devil. Shut up and leave me alone. No, I will not give my heart over to fear. So two things, and then he flees. No strongholds, no, you know, it's like pretty cut and dried. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So here's some necessary steps to stand against fear and learn how to not give your heart over to it. Again, we come back to receiving Know the Father's heart for you personally. Now, what I'm not talking about is your head knowing that Jesus loves you. I'm talking about your head and your heart being connected and supernaturally receiving it. So you walk around feeling loved. Do you know how I know that I'm loved? I actually walk around feeling loved because I've been with the Father and I've received it. You know, you know how you're forgiven is because you walk around feeling like you haven't sinned because you've received supernatural forgiveness. So again, it, it comes back to that receiving and just developing that kind of intimacy with him. And it keeps you centered around and focused on what his heart truly is for you. And if you know that you know that you know and you feel and you tangibly walk around feeling God's love because you've received it, it's a lot harder to be afraid. Because you know that no matter what happens, he's going to walk through it with you. I might get criticized again, but he's going to walk through it with me. He's in there with me. And the second thing that's helpful is to ask God to reveal what's true to you. Most of our fears are based on lies. And we don't know what will happen. And so we fill in the blank wrong, or we let Satan fill in the blank wrong for us. Now, what is the Father heart of God for me? And we're always hearing voices from two camps, or you can add three in there if you want to. I, I mean, there's voices from the pit of hell, and there's voices from the Father heart of God, and then there's human voices in there, but I always just say they're influenced by one of the other two anyway. So I just simplify it for myself. And, you know, in those moments when you're standing in front of the mirror, you, you get up, you look in the mirror and you start to see your hair and it's frizzy and it needs cut and you're like, oh, this is going to be a bad hair day. <sighs> I'm such a slob. People are probably going to reject me. It's probably going to rain and get frizzier. <laughs> look at my roots. And in that moment, you start to hear the lie. You know, you've heard the lie. The enemy's like slipping them in there, just trying to tell you who you are today. And in that moment, you're hearing, you're hearing voices. And one of, one of them is not true, and one of them is true. And so right there is when discernment comes into play. And we should be praying for discernment. And I think it's like wisdom. If you pray for it, you can get it. And when you discern, wait a minute, would Jesus stand in front of his daughter, look in her eyes and say that to her today? I don't think so. Shut up. Leave me alone. Get off my life and leave me alone. I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. Don't have a conversation with him. That's all you got to say. And then, who do you say that I am, Father? You know what, Brenda? I love your frizzy hair. <laughs> 
just put some product on it, it'll be fine. <laughs> I gave it to you, I love it. It makes me happy. So we have this, along with this intimacy, knowing that God is crazy about us and that he loves us and that's, you know, essential to our life. And then knowing what he thinks and what he says by walking, by talking with him. And then, of course, reading his word and sitting in silence with him. And, you know, the Bible is God's heart and his thoughts and he wants to communicate those things that are closest to his heart in so many ways in our life. And then the third thing that's really, really helpful. Choose to walk in the truth and not the lies. You know, you get to choose that. None of us are as much of a sitting duck as we think we are when it comes to the enemy. We just haven't learned to find our fight. We haven't learned to discern the voice of the Father from the voice of the enemy. We haven't learned how to resist and how to submit. And, and how to then give our heart over to the truth and choose to walk in that. And having that kind of intimate relationship with God and knowing what he says about you. And then be obedient to the truth and walk it out. Like whatever he says is what's real. That's the truth and that's where freedom is. That's where he sets you free. Is by walking in the truth. That's where freedom lies. That's, where, that's, that's what sets us free. And so when you're tempted by fear, you have this authority. You have this, this fighter, you know, that, that fight, that, that thing that, you know, makes you mad at the enemy. God feels that. He does not like it, what the enemy is doing to us. He does not like it. He is not idly sitting by, you know, thinking, you know, like, gosh, I hope they make it through this. <laughs> He gets upset at the things that the enemy is saying to you. It, it, and so what he wants to do is put that same fight, that same authority in you and, and get you to generate it toward the enemy, not toward God, not toward yourself, not towards other. The, the enemy's the enemy. He's a problem here. And so, you know, finding your fight, having let that authority rise up in you, that's Jesus' heart that's rising up in you. And, and say no to the enemy and, and, and turn away from it and then walk in the freedom that God has and the truth. And I've known personally several women who were really bound by fear and I've watched them before and after and the difference is amazing to see women get totally set free from, from fear. And of course, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, one of the things that's helpful and that I like about the picture that I think this verse paints is, you know, that whole thing of casting your anxiety on him. Do you think you could do that if it was in you, if it was your identity? You couldn't cast it off if it was your identity. Anxiety and fear and depression they're not your identity. They're not who you are. We heard that word um, earlier during the worship, the prophetic word. It's not your identity. And, you know, many people, I've, I've helped people get free in, of depression and anxiety by casting it off. You know, just picture it when it's coming over you like a, a blanket that you just have to throw it off and say, no, that's not, 
that's not God's heart for me. That's from the pit of hell. And I'm not going to give my heart over to you. I'm not going to walk in that like it's the truth. That's not my identity. It's not who God says I am. Cast it on him because he cares for you. I wanted to, us to just spend some time, of course, praying and everything that we've talked about. I like the thing I love about ministry time and just praying for each other is this is our time to respond to what God is doing. We just get to be responsive. So why don't you just like stand up with me, if you will, and I know there's some worship folks going to come up. And I want us to do this um, kind of like an exchange. I feel like the Lord is, and we'll do this as a group, and then I have some specific words too, but um, I feel like the Lord wants us to kind of dial up our fear and our insecurity. Maybe it's chronic. Maybe it's not. Maybe you can barely name it. Maybe you're like me for so many years, and you're like, I'm not afraid. I'm not insecure, and I can't stand people who are. Um, <laughs> I'm just learning to be authentic. I'll tell you more of that story tomorrow, but um, come to find out I really am, and I really do have a lot of fears. And, and I, I, I picture us just kind of throwing it off, like taking a blanket and wadding it up and throwing it off. It could be wet, heavy, uncomfortable, um, itchy, scratchy, but just throwing it off and then coming to Jesus and asking him, who do you say that I am? And I know you're going to hear him, but you're going to practice receiving. <laughs> you're going to have to forget about everybody around you and whether or not they're doing a good job. I'm sure they are. Um, so just <laughs> get that settled. This really this has to be between you and Jesus. And, and I feel like he's going to deposit supernaturally in you, something supernatural into your natural being and, and what you need so that you can leave fear and you can receive um, words, healing words, love, security, identity. There'll be a lot of words about who we are and our identity. I think that, you know, one of the things I've found is that years of walking around with just a, a sense of worthlessness it, it doesn't matter how many times we pat you on the back or use encouraging words. It's, it, none of that is going to work. Um, you need to, at some point, if you have really struggled with worth, worthlessness, you need to repent. And God will heal you. But you need to repent. Because you're believing the lie. And when that happens, we have to repent. And say, I'm sorry, hands up, but you got me, Jesus. I... I repent. I've been walking in the lie. I gave my heart over to the lie. And we have to start with just repenting and saying, I agree with you, God, in what you say. And so who do you say that I am? So let's do that and then um, see, where, see what else God has. There's uh, some specific words that I think that he wants to. So, Father, here we are. Here we are afraid and here we are insecure. And Father, where we've believed a lie, 
We've been walking in it maybe for days, weeks, months, or years. We just repent. We just are sorry that we have given our heart over to some of the things that the enemy has tried to call us. Some of the discrediting. For many of us, he's told us that we're going to fail. We believe it. Told us that we're inadequate. We believe it. We repent. Let us picture us now. I, I see just a shower. A shower of grace just coming and washing it off. Just stand and just let it be washed off in the name of Jesus. Wash us clean of the negative effects of all the lies. We repent and we want to be clean. And here it comes. Just let his grace just come and fall. Just be washed. Receive the cleansing. Receive forgiveness and love and grace. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, as your daughters, we just want to come heart to heart, face to face with you. And we want to trust you. We want to open ourselves up. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your love. Pour it out. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out. When you start to feel the Holy Spirit, you just say yes. You give your heart over to that. You open up your heart a little bit more. Picture your heart maybe as a, a vase or the Spirit of God just coming and just pouring into it. Yes, Lord. More truth. Let the truth come now, Lord. Who do you say that we are? Here comes his healing words. It might come in a, a picture, it might come in a word, it might come in a song, it might come in a feeling. And here it comes, he's going to pour out who you are healing, healing, healing words from the father to his daughter. Drink it in. Don't argue. Drink it in. Drink it in. More, Lord. Okay, yes, I give my heart over. Jesus on you. It's Jesus. Just let him come.
sweet, sweet Jesus. You can trust him. You don't have to protect yourself. Some of you are speaking about gifts. I've always, I've always seen this on you. I've always wanted to nurture this. I've always wanted to call this out, but you argue with me. Stop it. Believe it. It's the truth. It's my, my words. Gifts. Just receive it. Come, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we love, we love to receive from you. Teach us how to, to in, increase, increase your spirit. Father, I just come with the authority and the power and the heart of Jesus, and I break the power of disappointment off of these women. In the name of Jesus, every spirit that's assigned to every story, to every life, to every person, to every disappointment, to every loss, I break your power in the name of Jesus. Right now, you are off assignment. You must get off of their life and leave them alone. You cannot hound or harass or destroy, or consume what God is doing. You can't change what God is doing. You're just distracting us from it. So we say no to that distraction. In the name of Jesus, we just say no. Spirits of disappointment, leave right now. You have no place in our life. We choose to see God. We choose to see God activity. We choose to see the Holy Spirit. We will not feed a spirit of disappointment anymore. We will not feed it with being a victim. We will not, in the name of Jesus, set us free from disappointment. Bring freedom now, Lord. I'm going to invite you to just start to move out from where you are and just come up across the front here. Um, basically, I think taking a step is healthy. It's good. It's Remember the woman that had to press through the crowd to reach out to touch the garment of Jesus. Every time you walk past people in chairs to get up here to get prayer, is, you're like that woman. And you're just reaching out to touch the garment of Jesus because you believe that it makes a difference. You believe that his touch on your life will bring healing and power and authority and freedom. And so I'd like you to just come, even now as you feel the Holy Spirit, you want the Holy Spirit, you want more, just come right now and say yes to what God's inviting you into. There's always an invitation. Every single time we come to God, there's an invitation, a place he's taking us, a place he wants to go, a place we haven't followed him yet. You're just saying yes to the invitation. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Bring your truth. Bring your truth. Bring your truth. Bring your truth, Lord. The truth will set us free. More truth. Expose the lies. Let the light come and let it shine brightly on the lies. Drag, drag them into the light, Lord Jesus. 
out of the darkness. For me, sometimes I have to speak the lie out loud and have somebody break it off of me and it loses its power when that happens. There's a, a few other things that I feel like the Lord gave me this afternoon. Um, there's someone I think that's being battered and abused emotionally for sure, maybe physically, and I, I feel like God said to say this to you, I see you, and you're losing hope because you've asked him to stop it, and he's with you, but it's time to tell someone who can help you. You can't, you can't, you can't keep this a secret. There's help, but you need, you need help, and it's time, to, it's, he's with you, but he, he's saying, he wants you to, to speak, it, speak it out. There's somebody with a skin condition that's affecting you, maybe socially or physically, maybe eczema or something similar, and God it wants to heal that tonight. Any, any of these things, if, they, if, if, if it's the Lord, you know, if he's speaking to you, just come on up and let's pray. Um, thyroid conditions, I feel like I saw the front of a woman's throat, and it was, I think, many of us, that have some kind of a overactive or underactive thyroid. And I feel like God is gonna have us just lay hands on your throat, your thyroid and bring healing right now in Jesus' name. There's mother-daughter relationships that have been really hurtful and dis divisive and God wants to turn the conflict into healthy friendship. And that was, it was a promise. It was a promise that he would bring healthy friendship to mothers and daughters. And it doesn't mean that one of you is going to get to hear that you were right and the other one is wrong. Um, he said that. Just humbly repent for the part that you played in it and let him heal and restore a friendship between a mother and a daughter. There's people, I think, with some eating disorders. And I feel like the Lord said it's particularly an expression of self-destruction and pain. And often the spirits of control attached to them and God wants to heal you. And, and this might be a process, but it's time to get into the posture of receiving prayer from God's people every single time the doors are open and God's gonna heal you of eating disorders. I think that's multiple women tonight in the room. So Father, we just humbly stand in your presence and say yes. What you want, we want. We want what you want, God. If you're um, not here receiving prayer and you're, and you're able to pray, you're on a prayer team or you're a small group ministry leader or in, in any church, doesn't have to be this church, and you want to come and pray, I'd like to invite you to just come and pray. And I always encourage women when they're praying for each other just to be sensitive and cautious and not use too many words. Just only say what God tells you to say. And don't, don't interpret it five times, five different ways. Um, just let God be God and let's pray for and don't leave just stay engaged he, let this be between you and Jesus until somebody comes to pray and we'll pray for everybody um, that's, that's wanting ministry feel free just to pray for each other worship, follow the Holy Spirit we love you Lord thank you for what you're doing Thank you, Jesus.